Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 5th, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we, re- we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 24. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with, the fact is that most alcoholics, and ends with, without defense against the first drink. Today's readers are Jen Z, Nancy H, Marie J, Gina R, and Craig F. Our newcomer greeter is Kathy G. The reference number for yesterday's Sunday, February 4th, 2018's special edition meeting is 11005. That's 11005. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jen Z to read the 12 steps of OA. Hi there, this is Jen Z from Kentucky. Can I be heard? Yes, Jen. This is the 12 steps of OA. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. It was my pleasure to serve today. Thank you, Jen Z. I will now ask Nancy H. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, everyone. May I be heard? Yes, Nancy. Okay. <clears throat> this is Nancy H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, as OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And I'll say the word time when you get to three minutes. To remind you. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in chapter two, There is a Solution, on page 24. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with 
the fact is that most alcoholics and ends with without defense against the first drink. I will now ask Marie J. to read that for us. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, Marie. Good morning. Thanks. Uh, This is Marie J., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. Um, That whole reasons yet obscure, I don't know why, I don't know why, I don't know why I do this. But if I keep trying to figure it out, then then I'm going to waste time. I'm going to waste time not recovering. The reasons just don't matter. And if I stay in my head and try to figure things out, I'm going to fail and I'm going to continue to eat. I just have no willpower around certain foods and that's all I need to know. My ego is super powerful and there's a voice in my head. I call it my narrator and it really wants me to understand this disease and to explain it and not to surrender and not to give in and give up my willpower. And my, my narrator wants me to explain and understand higher power too, before she's going to be willing to let go and let God. And my will, my, my uh, disease knows that I can't explain any of it. And then, then my disease wins, you know, because if I follow the rules of my ego and my disease and believe that I have to understand this before I take any action, then, then they win and I lose and I don't stay in recovery. And my first action is just to accept that I have a condition that I can't explain and I don't understand. And when I accept that I have this condition, that I'm powerless and I have no control over food, then and only then can I surrender. But I don't want to accept. I want to fight it. I want to resist it. I want to find loopholes. I want to see what I can get away with. And I want to do the least that I can do and still call myself recovered. That's how my diseased mind works. So when I first go to acceptance, that also includes being willing to be abstinent. You know, being totally abstinent is my first step in becoming willing to accept this disease. And I just eliminate from, from my life the foods that I am powerless over. And then I accept that I have to surrender to a professional who gives me my food plan, you know, because I have no business figuring out my own food either and being left to my devices around food. And then I have to surrender to the ultimate power, which is a higher power that gives me direction in all my affairs. Because what happens if I don't do those three things, I will forget in a week, in a day, in a month, I'll forget. That's my ism, my incredibly short memory. You know, it comes to remembering that I'm powerless over food I just won't remember the pain I was in. I won't remember what it does to me. So I have to rely on a power greater than myself every day to be in charge, to run my life. So that's how I begin. I begin with acceptance of my powerlessness. I begin with total abstinence. And I begin with surrendering to a power greater than myself. And that's what keeps me on the path, being able to do and execute and work these steps. And uh, thanks for letting me share my path. Thanks, Marie J. 
who else would like to share on this paragraph that Marie J just read at the top twenty-four? Roanne M. Harlan G. And Larry Harlan G. And I heard Larry K. I only write so fast. Okay, so I've got Nancy. Rowan, Harlan, Larry. Who else? I heard Vasa. Barbara. I heard Barbara. Chrissy G. And I heard Okay, and I'm gonna stop there. I heard Nessa and I heard Chrissy. Um Nancy, Rowan, Harlan, Larry, Vasa, Barbara, Nessa, Chrissy. Nancy H, go right ahead. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts. So grateful to be on this meeting. Um, There's so much here in those two paragraphs about, for me, about forgetting, you know, how my disease can forget quickly. And the last time that I binged, which was probably almost four months ago, I didn't remember at all. Of course, I wasn't living in 10, 11, and 12, but I didn't remember at all, um, despite working with people, how bad it was when I had eaten because it was quite a few years. And I learned from that experience that I have to be willing to live in the, you know, in the steps, live in the 10, 11, and 12, and to get that um, mental obsession removed on a daily basis if I'm in fit spiritual condition. So my main thing is to keep in touch with my higher power every day and to take an, uh, an inventory of any resentments and fears and to be helping others. And the more I read with others, the more I realize how important it is that I not forget where I came from. And I'm so grateful that I'm not there anymore. And, you know, I pray to God that I stay in these steps the way I should be, because there's only one way. And, you know, I heard the other day on a tape that the OA stands for only answer. And that really impressed me. And the other thing that impressed me about uh, not picking up again was that um, I can clip my connection with my higher power just by one incident. If I put something before my higher power, even though I had communication with him five minutes before, the minute I do that, I clip my uh, connection to my higher power, and I may not get it back unless I, you know, realize it right away. So thank you for letting me share, and I just love this meeting. Thank you. I'm sorry I wasn't muted. Uh, thank you, Nancy H. Roanne M. Good morning. This is Roanne M. calling from New York. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you so much to Team Monday. I absolutely love this paragraph, um, and it is italicized, and they did spend more money to italicize the text in those days, and this is a very important message that they're trying to get across. And we know at this point that he is a real alcoholic. They're talking about the real alcoholic. And what does that mean? It means that once we start, we lose all control of liquor consumption once we have those substances in our body. We have no control. We have no choice. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are completely beaten down at this point by our illness. I know for me that it got to a point where I could no longer fight. I had no energy. I was beaten down by this illness. I had nothing left in me to to give. 
I could not fight the power of this disease. I had nothing left in me. We are unable at some times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. That's the mental blank spot. That is the built-in forgetter. It's the, you know, we have the euphoric recall of where we only remember what the food does for us, not what the food does to us. You know, I only remember that specific thing and I can't, I can't live that way anymore. I need to always keep it green. That's why I have to work with others. I have to work with newcomers so I can constantly be reminded of the pain and the suffering that this illness brought into my life instead of the nine seconds of pleasure that the food gave to me because if I don't work with others, I'll forget. I always forgot. That's why I always went back to the food. And it killed me over and over again. We emerge remorseful, vowing never to do it again. That cycle of over and over again, binging and binging and binging. We are without defense against the first drink. Absolutely. I needed to have a spiritual experience. I need to have a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. That is the only solution. There is a solution. That is my only solution to this disease. I was a chronic relapser. I kept going back to the food. I had I was beaten down by this illness. I had no I was hopeless. The only solution I had was to work these steps through the big book. I need to work with others. I need to get out of my head every single day because I always forget. As an addict, I will always forget. I need to hear the timing and suffering of other people. And thank you so much for letting me share with that. I will pass. Thank you, Rowan M. Harlan G. Thank you very much, and, and thank you to Team Monday for making this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oreo cookies and Kit Kat bars and everything else took my life and ripped it asunder. And the food did things in my life that if you did them to me, you'd be in jail. And yet, if I do not work the steps today, I am very close to eating Oreo cookies and Kit Kat bars again. I may not eat them today. I may not eat them tomorrow. I may not eat them till Thursday or Friday. But it is an absolute certainty that I will eat them again. Why is that? We are talking about, as Roanne just eloquently said, the mental blank spot. We have the mental twist, which has this force, this catapulting force to drive us into the food in search of what? Destruction? Hardly. It is in search of the effect that Dr. Silkworth talks about. We look at that chocolate and we say, hmm, I want some. And we're not even conscious of it, but the mental blank spot makes it so that we forget what the chocolate does to us and our minds can only focus in on what it's going to do for us. And so we eat it in search of that effect. And then about nine seconds in, 
the horror of what I've done is upon me, but by then I have triggered the physical allergy, and that makes it impossible for me to stop. And what Roanne just said, and I'm going to just, just reiterate it in different words, we cannot bring into our minds the consequences of the food. We are only looking for the rewards of the food. And that Oreo cookie will make the world a beautiful, beautiful place for about nine seconds. But there is something that works better, and it works longer, and it's more effective, and it doesn't have death-defying side effects. And that is the spiritual awakening as the result of the steps and only a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps is a more than sufficient substitute for the change in outlook, attitudes, and behaviors that the chocolate gave me, but the spiritual awakening as the result of the steps deepens and enriches my life in ways chocolate never could. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Larry Kay. Good morning. Good morning. It's Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. The um, yeah, willpower. Um, you know, there, I, I read some research not long ago that said that the uh, that the average person spends three to four hours a day resisting desires. <laughs> Sounds about right. The average person is trying to control their thoughts and emotions. And we're trying to use our willpower many times a day, all day long. Now, here's the problem. What if with certain obsessions, for certain special people like you and me, willpower is simply of no avail? What if no matter how hard you tried, your, your, your human power as marshaled by the will is of absolutely no avail, avail to you? And I was being worn down moment by miserable moment by you know, by an erroneous belief that I should be able to control how much I was eating. And I read, you know, where the writer said that self-control is like a muscle. You know, it's like a muscle. The more you exercise self-control, the better you become at not giving into the temptations that lead to our compulsions. So we're told if we exert deliberate control over our actions, over time, that practice improves self-control. And for someone with an alcoholic mind like mine, that's utter nonsense. See, I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying to practice more self-control. I'll try harder not to eat the dessert. Someone else will try harder today not to purge. And it won't work. And that's the biggest pile of horse manure I can, I can imagine. That's like telling someone, if you want to learn how to hold your breath more efficiently, just practice it harder. Eventually, you'll learn not to want the oxygen. You'll learn how not to want the air. Well, good luck with that. And maybe you won't pass out as you become more skilled at holding your breath. And I'll tell you, this spiritual program has really helped me to turn my mental blocks into, into building blocks. Because we move from a consciousness that's propelled by human willpower to a consciousness propelled by God power, by a higher power. It's not just my outer actions that have changed. Our heart changes, and my outer actions merely, merely reflect that alteration of the heart. That's what these steps do. The obsession is eradicated, 
It's not that I'm telling myself it was eradicated. God removed it. It's gone. And now I just remain in fit spiritual conditions. God's given me the power now to not pick up the first bite. And that's the deal. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Larry Kay. Uh, before we continue, in case you got on late, we're commenting on the first paragraph on page 24, The Fact Is. And Vasa O, you are next. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida. And this paragraph describes me to the chief by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous, and I had exerted all the power by my will, by my own willpower to put the foot down for many, many, many years. It's not like I didn't. Believe me, I tried so many times, but I couldn't do it. I always, I would put it down, pick it up, put it down. I I spent so much time and energy trying to figure out, you know, how to put it down. I mean, I would, I remember going to the Weight Watchers and I was so gun, I was so, so psyched up. I said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to make all these healthy meals and I'm going to put them in the freezer and, and I can, you know, I'll just take them out. I, I would spend a whole day, you know, cooking those things and I put them in the freezer. I didn't want to eat them. I ended up throwing them all out. It's crazy. I had no clue. I had a disease. I didn't know anything about all any of this stuff till I came to my first meeting of OYA's Anonymous. And I was just so ready and willing to just surrender. You know, I couldn't do this any longer. It was just killing me. And what I heard, I needed to find a power greater than myself, put the food down, and I needed a, I needed a higher power than myself to help me, to give me the strength, to give me the power to put those alcoholic foods down one day at a time, one meal at a time, sometimes every, I mean, five minutes at a time, because I was thinking the mental obsession would always come back. Oh, I want to do it. I, I cried. I cried. I wanted those alcoholic foods, but I spent on my knees praying many, many times during the day. It took a while for, the, uh, for, the, for me to go through the withdrawals. And it is by the grace of God I did surrender and to God, the programs, the 12 steps. And my obsession was lifted because I don't put those alcoholic foods in my body anymore, so I don't have the allergy. And even if, I, if the mental obsession came when I was abstinent, I would not give in. And I would use the tools, I'd use my prayer, get on my knees, please, God, help me not to go back to the food, those kind of things. Of course I eat. I have three good, healthy meals, and they, I don't die from one meal to the next meal, believe me. I've survived. 32 years later, my life is so much better and happier and more content, not with just the food. It's the physical, emotional, spiritual part. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Rebecca, star one. 
And in the meantime, here I am. Here I am, Melanie. Thank you. My call got dropped, and luckily Vasa was still speaking when I got back on. So I was saying thank you and calling on Barbara, but I was muted. So thank you, Vasa O and Barbara E. You are next. Thank you so much, and thank you everyone who shared before us. I'm just going to set my timer. There we go. Wow, this paragraph in italics speaks to me. I had certainly lost the power of choice. My willpower was gone, and my built-in forgetter was absolutely an action. I'd forgotten the torture and the humiliation that I endured. Someone before me said nine seconds in, the horror set in. It was not then. It was midnight, midnight for me. That's when I said, oh, my God, I've got to stop. But I couldn't. I knew I had to accept, but I was totally resistant. I knew I needed a higher power, but I was resistant. What I know today beyond question is that every problem of mine is being taken care of. And what do I have to do? I just have to relax and stop chasing after a solution. Recently, this week, I saw how this program, these steps, affect every aspect of my life. I live in New Jersey, and I found on Thursday in the health section of one of our major newspapers a wonderful article on Overeaters Anonymous given to a reporter anonymously by someone giving me initial K. But I focused on the fact that one of the intergroups was not mentioned. And I spent the whole day in self-righteous anger rather than being accepting and grateful and relaxing that everything happens as the way it should be. And what happened was I woke up the following morning, Friday, and saying, wow, I wasted a whole afternoon. Friday, the same thing happens again. I went to make a call to a sponsee who was in the hospital, not a sponsee, a member, and my phone fell in the toilet and I didn't know. It was there and it's fried. Now I have to go to Verizon or Apple and get a new phone. And I have to relax and give my problem over to God and know with absolute confidence that the solution is on the way. And that's such a gift, just accepting everything happens in God's time and I have to relax and lean into it. My mood, my lack of control over food, places, things, institutions, cell phones, and just relax. Thank you so much for allowing me to share today. Glad to be using my husband's cell phone. Thank you. I pass. This is Rebecca. I got dropped again. I'm so sorry. Thank you, Barbara E. I'm guessing you're finished. And Nessa R., you are next. 
Thank you. Um, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this paragraph is talking to me about my mental obsession. Um, I'm here. I have started my diet. I resolve with all sincerity and commitment to be good, to stay on it. But then it tells me that I am without defense against the first drink. So I, I haven't picked up the food yet, but my mind is going full throttle telling me, you know, go ahead. You know, this is not going to... Um, this is not going to uh, hurt your, your, your diet, you know, you're not going to gain any weight from one cookie, um, you know, the broken potato chips have no calories, like whatever it is that my mind is telling me, you know, because I cannot eat on the truth. I can only eat on a lie. And my mind is very adept, my disease is very adept at feeding me lies that I readily believe, you know, despite the fact that evidence, decades of evidence to the contrary, um, you know, um, exist. Um, and I, I still believe that, you know, I am going to just eat a slice of cheesecake and I'm going to feel good and everything is going to be okay. I don't tell myself, you know, it's going to be a slice of cheesecake and then um, suffering humil and humiliation. I don't tell myself that because then I won't be able to eat. But, you know, like if something, there's something else here, you know, there's, um, we're going to read in the next paragraph. It says there's a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting um, his hand on a hot stove. That is the mental obsession. And yet, you know, 60, page later, 60 pages later in page 84, you know, I'm told, sorry, I'm just um, <laughs> going through that page. It says, it says um, um, we, uh, when if tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. So this is, seems like a contradiction, you know, like what did Bill, when he wrote his book, he couldn't make up his mind. Do we have the defense um, that keeps him from putting, putting a hand on a hot stove or do we not? And, um, you know, the difference here is that in these 60 pages, we have covered most of the steps. So from step two, which is what we're talking about, you know, the insanity and being restored from that insanity to recovery, which means, um, you know, being able to resist the temptation um, comes as a result of working the steps, you know, because it, it results in a transformation of thought, in a transformation of thought that puts me in a neutrality, uh, a position of neutrality towards the food, and then I don't need to fight it anymore. You know, I don't need to worry about that first drink because now I know the truth, I can tell myself the truth, and I will, I will, um, I will proceed accordingly. Um, this, is, this is how the steps work. They work like this for everybody. They work like this for me. They will work that way for you and for anybody who truly undertakes the, the working of the steps according to the big book in entire abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Chrissy G. Hi, everybody. It's Chrissy G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New Jersey. And I remember when my son, who has ADHD and he's really um, emotional kind of kid, used to tell me, but mommy, every, I feel things more than other people. And I, and I didn't really, I didn't really believe what he was saying, but I related to the addict because it, I don't know if it's true, but my feelings are intense and overwhelming. 
and I have to eat. I have no choice. It's what I know to do. It doesn't work. It doesn't make the feelings go away permanently, but it's the only thing that I know how to do. It's my go-to. Without this program, I have to eat. And it doesn't work. It's not what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for whatever is going on in my mind that is causing this, these pain, this pain, this overwhelming, intense pain, whatever it is, and that's usually what it is for me, is, is not, not so much in happy times, but when I feel intense feelings, jealousy, anger, fear, when I'm feeling those feelings, I'm looking for a connection with the higher power I never knew. I never knew this higher power before, and it was the steps that brought me into relationship with the higher power, and it continues to keep me in relationship. That's the thing that I always have to remember, that continually working these steps, looking at myself, looking at my feelings, looking at my part in a thing, looking at my defects sharing them with other people, keeping open-minded to direction from spiritual advisors and my network, my fellows in the program, giving it away to other people what I've gotten. It's all part of it in keeping conscious contact with my higher power by praying and meditating. It's all part of it, and it keeps me from that, that absolute need to compulsively overeat and it's really as simple as that and it's a lot of work and I'm glad that I know what I need today and I'm not trying to find the answers in food and with that I pass. Thanks Chrissy G. Well we have time for more people to share on this first paragraph on 24. Who would like to share? Kathy G. Melissa. Melissa C. Joe M. Kathy G. Melissa C. And Joe M. Who else was that? Courtney W. Courtney W. And Matt M. I have a feeling that's all we're going to have time for, if that. So I'm going to leave it at those five. Kathy, Melissa, Joe, Courtney, and Matt. Kathy, go right ahead. Raquel, if you can put me on. I'll write you down, Raquel, but I doubt it. I'm sorry. If you can't, it'll be in the next session. Thank you. Exactly. Great. Kathy G. Hi. Good morning. Can you hear me? I could hear you, but I'd already muted. Hi, Kathy G. Kathy G, try again. I'm sorry. Good morning. Oh, so sorry, Rebecca. Boy, we're having. I hear you now, Kathy G. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. It's Kathy G from Illinois, grateful, recovering compulsive overeater, and I had to jump in because this is so powerful to me. I was thinking back on a, a college memory where a priest was giving a talk on alcoholism, and I remember him saying that. The definition of alcoholism for him was being able to say, I cannot guarantee the outcome of my behavior once I have taken the first drink. Well, I tried 
to prove that wise man wrong for almost 40 years because I so desperately wanted to be the one who was not included in the first line of the paragraph. The fact is that most alcoholics, I just didn't want to be in that group of most alcoholics. I wanted to be the one who could take a bite and somehow guarantee the outcome of my behavior. I wanted to be able to guarantee that I could stop. And maybe I could that day, but I couldn't guarantee that I would be able to stay stopped in that behavior. And somehow, inevitably, whether it was that day or a couple days later, I would end up in what it says later in that line, for some obscure reason, with empty boxes or wrappers or whatever, either on my car seat, in a bathroom, in a hiding place with that food again. And uh, it was just so powerful to me that he said that, but it took me for some reason beyond my comprehension until last July to fully embrace that. And I now feel that I have fully surrendered to the fact that I am powerless over that first fight. Thank God. So I'm just very grateful to be here today. So grateful for this meeting and for all of you that have helped me to understand how powerless I truly am. Uh, With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy G. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so this memory thing um, is crazy because I have I have a great memory I um, for certain things. You know, I can remember as a little girl, like if I would get up early on a Sunday morning, I could be the lucky one of my siblings to get, to the bakery or the bagel place with my dad alone, and I know the exact cookie that the person behind the counter would give me, you know, and I would get to eat that. Um, and I remember, like, I have great memories when it comes to delicious foods and great events that occurred where I felt wonderful with the food, but cannot remember with enough force like the pain that the food caused me. I only remember those warm, wonderful, intimate moments. And this is real. This is insanity. This is selective memory. And, you know, like uh, this chapter I love, it's, you know, it's telling us there's a solution. Um, And sort of before it's telling me what the solution is, it's telling me all the things that are not the solution. Because when I came into OA, I had a million things on my list. You know, I had like a whole bag of tricks and things that I was pretty sure were the solution and that I was going to figure out which one I was going to continue to use or use better or get some, you know, help in using one of those things better. And so this chapter is telling me, yep, you know what, Uh, control, that's not going to be the solution. Um, Humiliation, pain, not the solution. Um, You know, love and support of a family, not the solution. Memory, nope, can't rely on that either. So it's really, it's narrowing down my choices. And and that's so powerful because what is going to come next 
you know, is mind-blowing. It's the stuff that I don't want to do, you know, and I didn't want to do. But until I was sure that there was no other solutions available to me, um, you know, I wasn't going to be willing to do any of those. And so, like, how do we how do we begin to recover if we can't remember um, the pain of the food? And, you know, and so in the beginning, um, you really do need to rely. When people are looking to get recovered before we have this connection with a higher power, we're going to have to rely on, yeah, the fellowship, um, on some of that old, those old dads of tricks, some of that, like, willpower with a lot of support from the fellowship so that we can move through the steps at an intense clip, you know, fast but thorough so that we can rely on our memories um, because we'll be connected with the higher power and will give us clarity. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Joe M. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And good morning to everyone on the line. My name is Joe M., compulsive overeater in Minnesota. The fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. For so many years, I believed that I should have the power of choice in my food because I had the power of choice in so many other things. If I wanted to buy a new set of bath towels, I would go to the store, I would look at my options, and I would reasonably choose an option that I wanted. I remember wanting to go on a trip when I was in my 20s to go visit some friends in New York City and Washington, D.C., and I made the plans and I did that, and it was very reasonable. I got involved in community activities um, and out of a natural desire to do so, and it was a sane and, and good thing to do. Why can't I do that with food? I could do it in so many other areas of my life. I could not do it in food. And... You know, our so-called willpower, I mean, I had virtually no willpower when it came to food. And thanks to Overeaters Anonymous and the people who brought me the message and the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I've been confronted with the reality of my condition, which is that I have an addiction. And an addiction does not bow down to choice. An addiction does not bow down to willpower. An addiction only bows down to the 12 steps as laid out in the big book. That's been my experience. And it has required a shift in identity for me to say, I do not have the power of choice in food. I haven't had it for a very long time, and I will never have it. It has required a shift in my identity. It is like I accept this as part of my DNA. I don't believe it's physically part of my DNA, but it's as if it is. And this shift was a major shift inside of me, was not easy, was not comfortable, but now that I've made it, there's such freedom because I no longer have to try to have the power of choice in food. I'll never have it. What I do have is the ability to surrender, which is far better than being in a fight over food. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Joe M. Courtney W. Courtney, we don't hear you. You have to press star one to unmute your phone. Hi, it's Courtney here. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just really um, kind of related this morning. I'm kind of coming out of it. 
I was in denial, and this paragraph really brought me out a bit about not having defense against the first strength um, because um, really basically um, I've um, told myself um, to forget the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago or years ago. And, you know, um, this really is a good paragraph to bring out of denial. And, um, you know, uh, it's hard to remember these things for me because I have ADHD and because, you know, it's just the way the disease goes. And um, uh, I don't know what to make of it because I keep thinking I'm okay when I'm really uh, just not going to like what I have to say because I just think I can eat certain foods uh, and uh, get away with it. And um, it's making a bad problem choosing sponsors because of the context of um, should should I get a food program going to help me get safe this uh, thing, and I think I should. So... um, but uh yeah, definitely and powerless. And uh thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Courtney W. Matt M. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M with the postal over here. I'm a little under the weather, so my voice is a little funny. Uh, the fact is that most alcoholics for reasons yet obscure have lost the power of choice and drink. For me that is so true. Um, every time I pick up, I've already lost the choice before I even pick up. It's premeditated and um, unable at certain times to bring it to our consciousness with sufficient effort to force the memory of the suffering and humiliation in a week or a month ago, or even the like the day before. And uh, definitely with me, when I pick up, I'm already off to the races. I don't know who I am. I do All I think about is getting that fix, getting that sugar, getting that fast food, whatever it is. And uh, I lose myself completely in, in the middle of the moment. And... Uh, Thank God that I'm not alone in this program. I have people I can call. I have a sponsor I can talk to. I have God I can pray to, my higher power. And it's a miracle of this program, knowing that it's a we program, that I don't have to do this alone, because a lot of the times in my brain, I love to isolate. And uh, even though I'm a very social person, and a lot of people know who I am, I still tend to isolate sometimes. I go through things alone, and sometimes that's not always meant to be the way it is supposed to be, you know, and... uh I'm grateful just for today. I don't have to do this alone. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And guess what, Raquel? We do have time for you. I'm so glad that you got your name in there because I didn't think we would, but not everyone took their full three minutes. And before you share, Raquel, I just want people to know we're at the top of page 24, the first paragraph. Go ahead, Raquel E. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for letting me share. And, and this is Rebecca uh, leading. Yes, Raquel, it's Rebecca. Yes, Rebecca, Rebecca, thank you so much. I just came back from a meeting and um, that we're trying to revive here. And I, you know, bring the, the things that I'm learning on the line here. <clears throat> And the the abyss of of trying to surrender that wonderful gift of surrender. I'm so grateful that God gave it to me 
So now, and, and it's late in my life, and I've been in program since 1979, and that I have now nine years, a month, and 17 days, is just a miracle of miracles. So that now some real recovery can start of changing the important things inside. One of the things that helped me with this paragraph and with the inability to to remember the moment before, the night before, the, the previous bite is the, the 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 image of a blind spot in driving. You know, if I drive, I now thank God my car was stolen four years ago because I don't have the concentration power and God just took it away from me on time. And I'm very happy with the buses and the cab drivers, the drivers who really take me where I want. But the, the, when I drove and the blind spot is there, and it will not help me if I don't turn my head and see it for what it is, to see the truth that there's a car right next to me. This is how I cannot see that first bite and what it will do to me in the long run. It may take another, it may take another 10 years and another 35 kilo, like 70 pounds, you know, because I did it 10 times in my life. So that blind spot... God put it there because he wants us to have choice, you know. An animal sniffs a plant that he knows that it's, he sniffs it, that it's poisonous, and he's not going to eat it. He's not going to eat it because God gave him instincts. Us, he gave us choice, and it's for good reasons. That's how, that's how he wants us, to choose between life and death, good and bad. So, so the black... But yeah, I, I, I didn't put the timer on, but I hope you blind me, you, you will time me, Rebecca. So the blind spot is there for a reason, and I cannot willpower if I will decide that I'm not going to turn my head and look at it when I suspect that there's a car next to me, and I'll only insist on looking ahead of me and not using this device that God gave me to turn my head and see that car. I'm not going to see it. That's all. You know, I'm not going to see it. And if it expresses itself in the need to prepare my food ahead of time and to have all this, what I call war rations, I took with me some pictures of my freezer to my friends. There was a meeting there. It used to have 35, 40 people. And there are four people sitting around crying over their fate and no real knowledge of how this program works with this wonderful big book that God, I believe, held Bill's hand when he wrote it. And and much more so for me right now, the 12 and 12, where the first step is described as a bankruptcy. I am bankrupt mm-hmm. in this area. Thank you so, so much for letting me share. I love you all. Have a good recovery. I pass. Thanks, Raquel E. With one minute to spare, rather than opening the floor, I'd just like to sneak in there. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And what comes to my mind in this paragraph is that this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. If you could uh, mute your phone, please, I'd appreciate it. Um, The idea that it's most alcoholics rather than all, that practically... Uh, non-existent rather than totally non-existent and that it says at certain times rather than all the time suggests that 
it's not every single person, every single time, always, 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 once in a while in a blue moon, I might be able to use some willpower at, you know, occasionally. And that's kind of the the thing that makes me think, oh, maybe I'm terminally unique and this doesn't apply to me and maybe I'm not that bad. But all of that is just a smokescreen, you know. The problem is I'm a compulsive overeater. And the sooner I admit it to myself, the sooner I have can recover. And I'm out of time, and I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, everyone. It's a little noisy on the line um, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, you know, I'm going to just mute the line if you don't mind one second here. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. I'm going to start over. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, February 5th, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is uh, 11,006. That's 11006. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Gina R. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, I will. Thank you so much, Rebecca. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.